Becky, look at her banner. It's beauty, bitch. Warning, this show contains adult content, strong language, mature themes, discussions of sexuality, politics, triggers, and <gasps> feminism. Listener discretion and or earphones are advised. Welcome to Bitchtree, the podcast about badass women in history that were <clears throat> overlooked. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly McLean. I'm your other host. They call me Smarty Pants Lisa. Actually, Kelly just calls me that. But I am smarter than my dating history would lead you to believe. So <laughs> aren't we all? God. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in this place called Bitchtopia, where being a bitch is a happy thing. Yes, here in Bitchtopia, we talk about feminism and relevant historical and political issues. My official title, not that I'm in love with titles or anything, because I totally am, and you all know this by now, but now I am a doctress of bitchology. I'm also an astrologer and a cat owner, and that's why there's noise, and I write a weekly horoscope called Bitchscopes. Ta-da! Kelly has dubbed me the official bitch historian, which is a cool title if you're into that kind of thing, but, you know... Um, yeah, I studied history and literature, which means I'm just pretty much a word nerd. So here I am. <laughs> and she's a Capricorn because that matters around here. And I'm an Aquarius with a lot of Capricorn and I could go on and on, but I won't go, go astrology. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us today and please subscribe and review, particularly on Spotify and iTunes so that we continue to sing the praises of all the unsung bitches in the world. Woo-woo. I need some music <laughs> in there. So how the hell are you, Smarty Pants Lisa? Oh, I'm getting real tired of living through historic right? events. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. Uh, just like, let's have a few quiet weeks. Let's try that. Yeah. We did. We did. And even when I was writing Bitch Scopes, I was like, I feel like I haven't had words like this in a while because everything has been, quote, intense and <laughs> significant and difficult. And I don't know. So we did have a few. But um, yeah, apparently nobody. We were sleeping on Putin. Blech. So, uh, yeah, I am. Um, so we upload every two weeks. And so in the last two weeks, I've been basically in some sort of a life blender. And um you all know that I'm the crazy cat lady and I have many cats and they're just all indoor cats. And I've never, one of my cats, see Lucy is, uh, I think she's 10 and Callie is about eight. And then the, the Peaky Blinder boys are, um, you know, they're going to be two. Never in my life have any of my cats been sick ever. When I had Inky for 18 years, he had like, um, a UTI thing when he was a kitten and then he never got sick ever again. So all my cats have been sick and it has been kind of a nightmare. So most of them are just kind of like getting over this cat cold thing that they got. But my cat Callie got really sick and, um, long story short, well, it's it, actually, I have to tell a little bit of the long story. So there's like a veterinarian shortage or availability crisis. And I thought it might be just here where I am. 
But I was talking to a vet and they said, no, it's a nationwide issue because during COVID people were home and they were paying more attention to their animals. And they were like, oh, uh, Fluffy is limping and Spike's urine smells funny and they're just paying more attention. So everything got kind of overloaded. Then in addition to that, I think that they lost some staff and I, I'm guessing some vets retired. I don't know. But like when you try to get um, any kind of appointment, any kind of appointment, you literally can't get in for a month and a half. And I'm like, um, my cat will be dead by then. Thank you. And the only other option is the like animal emergency place. And because of COVID, you have to basically sit in your car for five hours until they call you with a sick or screaming or, I mean, they do triage, I'm sure, but oh my God, I cannot imagine sitting in the car for five hours with a squawking Callie. She's my vocal one. So she's anyway. So by some miracle of divine intervention, I did get a vet appointment today. I called yesterday. I called around and called around and asked and asked. And, um, I miraculously got an appointment. So she went to the vet. I'm a thousand dollars poorer and I have to shove a pill down my cat's throat twice a day for too many days. And so please pray for me. So my son and I managed to get the first dose of meds into her. She's really sick. She basically has bronchitis and she's all snotty and congested and breathing through her mouth. It's really awful. And then she's coughing and hacking. Sounds like she's coughing up a hairball, but she's not. It's so awful watching her be sick. Um, and it's like, I feel like I did when I had little babies when they got sick. Like you just feel helpless. Just, what do you do? You know? So anyway, um, we wrapped her up in a towel. Oh, she was a demon at the vet. She's my chill cat, but at the vet, she tried to kill everyone. So they had to anesthetize her to do anything, but I don't have that privilege at home. So we wrapped her up in a towel. So her little murder mitts were contained. And um, then we had to give her her meds and she was, you know, chomping and she bit my son in the nipple and she bit my finger, but you know, everybody lived and the cat's medicated and yay. So I'm exhausted. That's the, the moral of the story <laughs> is exhausting. I'm fucking exhausted. So yeah, when you yeah. said there was a vet shortage, I'm like, are there vets like on tankers out in the middle of the ocean or what's happening there? But... I, yeah. Right. I don't know. Supply chain problems. I have no idea, but I, it's a, it's a manpower problem. So mm. I, I don't really understand. I, yeah. it. I had to, uh, I had to give a turtle a shot one time, but, and that was no, fun. <laughs> yeah. I jammed a Q-tip in her mouth so she could chomp on that and sit him on my finger. And then I gave her a shot. So that was interesting, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard that giving cats pills is no fun. I have dogs. So dogs just, are easy. Yeah. Hide it in the cheese and they don't ask <laughs> questions. Yeah. We were talking about this before we recorded my, my dog Mona that I had years ago had seizures. And so I had to give her a pill every single day and and I put it in peanut butter or pill pockets or whatever, but like many animals, she would eat around the pill and manage to spit the pill out. I'm like, wow, that is talent. So I decided I would start giving her crunchy peanut butter, which is not how I like my peanut butter, but the pill was really little. And so she couldn't really tell the difference between the pill and the little peanut pieces. And it worked like a charm. And I thought I was a genius. Um, but cats, not so much. And Callie, doesn't eat canned food. She hardly, she's so picky and difficult. I just had no idea how high maintenance this cat was until today. So, wow. So I'm drinking wine with uh, some crystal light because hydration. And uh, so there's that. And then also I'm getting new carpet. And so I have to basically move everything. I mean, 
I'm having people move a lot of it, but I have to move all the little shit. I have a lot of little shit. So yeah, I please send wine. That's the, <laughs> that's the point. So, um, we have more interesting news to talk about though. Lord knows today is Thursday, the 24th of February. And I believe it was in the wee hours of this morning or last night. Good old Putin decided to be a puta and um, invaded Ukraine. So that's the big headline. So, yeah, we're all sort of like just really nervous. I know a lot of people are just very nervous. He made a very mm, threatening statement that anybody who intervenes will, um, what did he say exactly? Will. I don't know, but he said, we'll suffer the consequences like you've never seen in your history or something. It felt very pointed at America, um, which makes sense. So I don't know. It's very terrifying. Yeah, I've seen a lot of just really heartbreaking photos and videos coming out of Ukraine today. People trying to get out, really, um, trying to evacuate as best they can and mm -hmm. but having to split up families and things like that. I saw on, I think now this news, that hundreds of Russians gathered to protest the war. And that kind of made my heart, it was, it made my heart hurt, but kind of in a good way and kind of in a sad, I don't know what it is. The Glennon Doyle uses the word brutal, brutal plus beautiful, brutal. It was kind of like that. So I don't know. It's just awful. Oh, and it's, you know, that they're risking jail they're right. risking, I right. mean, yeah it's so it's, it was yeah it was not a free too, not sure. a free speech place mm -hmm. and my wine glass tonight the oracle wine glass says wine because punching people in the face is illegal but i'm going to change <laughs> it to say wine because punching putin in the balls is not possible um doesn't have any probably so yeah did you like how i changed Putin into puta. I thought that was very clever. <laughs> I like it. I'm bilingual. I, I, so my personal opinion is Putin is the biggest closet case in politics. Sure really. Seems like it. Oh my God. I, On I Saturday Night Live. But I, Putin yeah. is like a closet case if you ask me. So I'm thinking like we could make him a drag queen. So my friends and I. Oh my God. We're trying to think of a good name for him. But mine for him was Putin on the Ritz. Oh, very nice one. That's his drag queen name. Man. I really like it. But yeah. Yeah, those okay. um, the world Saturday Night Live. Be better off without him, but I don't For sure. <laughs> him and, you know, someone else comes to mind. Um, hmm. Those Saturday Night Live skits they did for a long time of Putin without his shirt and everything. <laughs> Everywhere he went, it was funny. I don't know who played him, but it was hilarious. Um, in lighter news. Britney Spears, because this is a podcast that is occasionally about Britney Spears and <laughs> the feminist um, ideals that, uh, well, no, it's the patriarchal ideals that hold her down. Um, so I'm sure most of you don't follow this shit, but um, she and her sister have been going back and forth on social media in such an airing your dirty laundry in public sort of way that we all kind of secretly love. Um, and so Brittany is writing a book. She got a $50 million book deal, which I think is one of the biggest in history right after the Obamas. So go Brit. And um, that should be interesting. I mean, it's very, I don't know. There is sort of, there should be just the chapter in feminist history about 
Britney's conservatorship for 14 years, she couldn't make a single decision for her grown ass adult self. So it is kind of a big deal. So. Yeah. Well, and I think in the beginning it was like for her own protection, but then I think after a yes. while it was like, okay, <laughs> how many years should this go on? Honestly, Right. Exactly. And, and she might be cuckoo as a cuckoo bird. That was an original analogy, Cal. Um, but she still, I mean, look, the people driving around and voting, they're all cuckoo as cuckoo birds, too. And nobody's conservator shipping them. So um, there's some people who should be under conservatorships, like Putin and Trump and <laughs> some other people. <laughs> but um, yeah, most of Congress actually should be under a conservatorship because they don't do a goddamn thing. Yeah, I don't think anybody on the other side of the aisle is very interested in governing anymore, it seems. No, not at all. But, um, and like political, quasi-political news, a lot of countries and a lot of states in the U.S. are ditching the, you know, mask mandates and all of that. So I haven't really looked at the details of it. I just know that in most of the places where I go now, no one's wearing a mask, which is cool because I'm sick of them, but. Uh, yeah, we have um, our mandate uh, in Colorado expired, a few, like, I think last week. Mm -hmm. So I'd say in the store, like I went to the store today and it was probably about 50-50. Half people. Yeah. I'm not really, I'm not really ready to ditch mine in yeah. a very crowded place. Agree. I, I, I will be wearing a mask forever on an airplane. I will be wearing a mask forever in very crowded public places in the wintertime when the flu is going around and such. I'm glad that masks have been normalized, actually, because I think it's great for health reasons. Um, flying on a plane, seriously. I don't care what they say about the recycled air. I get sick every time I fly, and I know a lot of other people do, too. So, um, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for masks. I think it's a great idea. I just am <laughs> sick of having to pull one out of my glove box every time I go somewhere. But there's still a lot of people wearing them um, here. It's just I think the mandates have lifted. So I think that's good. I know Australia opened up. That's a big deal. Um, yeah. And some other countries. Well, I feel like we have enough. I mean, I hope. I mean, you know, we have a pretty good um, vaccination average. Yeah. And we're, we're in the mid 60 percent, like yeah. countrywide, I think. But in Colorado, I mean, at least in Denver, we're like pretty high, like in eight. Yeah, that's good. So I'm like, well, I mean, I'll wear a mask just because. I'm mainly wearing mine because I don't see a lot of patients very often, but I see people who see patients really. So right. I'm just trying to be, I, and as far as I know, I never got COVID. Um, I got exposed a few times, but during those times I could never find a test. So yeah. if I, if I had COVID, I was, I didn't have any symptoms. So I don't know. I did. My smell still isn't back to normal. It's very annoying. Certain things just taste nasty to me. Um, the other thing that's great about wearing a mask is that men can't tell you to smile more. <laughs> So there's that. Um, career if you smiled more. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. The dudes who the three white dudes who killed Ahmad Aubrey were found guilty of hate crimes. So that's um, I think encouraging in the justice portion of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I, well and i thought they were found guilty before but this i guess this, this was is separate this is federal hate crime so they were found okay. guilty 
of their criminal charges, but then they had federal hate crime charges that they were found guilty of, which is a big deal. So um, they ain't getting out anytime soon. Yeah, the cop that um, killed the guy in the traffic stop, she only, she didn't get a very... She didn't get a very uh, long sentence, in my opinion. I mean, I, I just don't understand why. The one know, who didn't know the not, difference between her gun and the taser. And the taser, yeah. yeah. I don't understand why, you know, it's like, oh, if it's you're a cop and your adrenaline's running and it's like you're allowed to make mistakes. But if you're woken out of a dead sleep by people barging into your house, you're immediately supposed to comply and know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And, or, or you deserve to get shot. That's what I don't understand, but. Um, I think I smell a double standard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I can't smell. Yeah. Anyway, um, I can smell, but just not 100%. Um, I can smell bullshit. That never went away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could do a whole show on this topic in itself. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. But let's talk about women dying in childbirth. So in America, the supposed greatest country in the universe... The maternal mortality rate has risen to its highest level in 50 years. Women are dying, giving birth in the United States of America. What the fuck? What is it going to take for people to realize that our healthcare system is a piece of dysfunctional shit? It, we are the only country outside of Afghanistan and Sudan where the rate is rising. And if you're a black woman giving birth, you're three times more likely to die in childbirth in America than a white woman. That is terrifying. What the hell? I know. I was, well, when I read that, I was like, I don't know if it's because a lot of people maybe couldn't get in for prenatal care because of COVID, you know, that like hospitals and doctors clinics have been so jacked up. Mm -hmm. Or it could be because our insurance is ridiculous. Well, it could for be black, because they yeah. had health problems and they were loath to get an abortion because, A, in Texas, you they get can. pulled on and you could right. get fined and jailed and who, who mm -hmm. knows what else. Mm -hmm. um, or you just have to go somewhere where people are going to call you a murderer and a whore and whatever. You know, I should look up what these women are dying of. Black women um are they tend to be more hesitant and distrustful of the healthcare system because there's so much inherent racism in the healthcare system toward people of color um it's just like you know fat bias and you know the dread of going to the doctor because you just don't want to fucking hear it i'm here because i have an ear infection please tell me how my fat thighs have anything to do with my ears thank you give me antibiotics, fuck off, goodbye. So for black women, well, people of color in general, not just women, it's, um, it's even worse. But I don't really know the details, especially about the childbirth part of it. And being a person obsessed with all things pregnancy and childbirth, I should um, look that up. So maybe we'll do a show on it. We should. We should. We should also talk about awesome things that may have never existed without the invention or innovation of black women. Yeah. I think we should. I think we should. Our second, our part two of black history month. Yes. Yes. Forgot to mention that. Or yep. Yeah. Black sheroes go on. Yes. <laughs> so here we have a list of black women inventors. Now that is not something you see lists of very often because 
Oh my God. And if any of my ex-boyfriends message me or call me and go, but men invented blah, 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 blah. I'm going to line you up next to Putin and I'm going to punch you all in the balls. So there, I'm tired. Do not fuck with me. Anyway, we're talking about black women inventing things and it's positive, Kelly. So shift, shift. Okay. First on the list, everything good about your phone. Remember the days before caller, call waiting and caller ID? Oh, my God. Uh, if you answered yes, you might be old. Oh, you know what? Shut up, notes. I didn't write that. I took this from an article. Rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you almost might have great appreciation for the research of Dr. Shirley Jackson, whose work led to those innovations, along with developments in touchtone phones, portable fax machines, and the fiber optic cables that make your long-distance phone calls come in crystal fucking clear. I added the fucking. Um, Jackson was the first Black woman to earn a doctorate from MIT. Oh, damn the first black female president of a major technological institute and went on to become the first black woman, woman appointed chair of the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Holy fuck. Her list of achievements, awards, and appointments goes on and on. But thank you, Dr. Shirley Jackson, for making our phones better because caller ID is the greatest thing ever. Thank you. Next. I don't even know how we survived picking up phones when we didn't know who was on the other end. Oh my god, I get anxiety do, just thinking about it. I know. How do we even live through that? Thank Ugh. you, Dr. Jackson. Yes. Okay, so this next one is good for people like me who are always literally fucking freezing to death. <laughs> the heater. Yay. <laughs> you can walk in your home, turn on the heat when you're cold, and which is all the time for me, even if it's July. Right. And I and all of us can thank Dr not doctor. We can thank Alice H. Parker for that. Um, Parker took it upon herself to design a natural gas-fueled new and improved heating furnace. Her design earned her a patent way back in December of 1919 and helped give birth to the thermostat and familiar forced air furnaces in most homes today. Nice. Thank you, Alice. Next on the list, this is very specific, space-saving furniture. Sarah Goods, what is this word? There's an extra word in there. Licensed, oh, there's something screwy about my notes. Okay. In 1885, Sarah Good became the first African-American woman to file a patent. She was born into slavery. After the Civil War, she moved to Chicago. There she met her husband, and the two of them opened a furniture shop. Oh, that's very nice. Back in the 1880s, most Black families in Chicago didn't buy a lot of furniture because they lived in small homes and apartments. Seeing a need for innovative space-saving solutions, Good designed the cabinet bed, which I think we call like a Murphy bed. Oh, no, I stand corrected. A bed that could fold into a functioning desk. Oh, it's like a Murphy bed, only more useful. Thank you, Notes, for correcting me. It's like the <laughs> notes are reading my mind. <laughs> uh, it's also like I haven't read the notes beforehand. Anyway, <laughs> it's hard to believe that Good's cabinet bed isn't around today. Think of the space that could be saved in dorm rooms, studio apartments, where there's new tiny houses everyone's talking about. Yeah, WTF. Bring back the the bed cabinet desk. Good job, Sarah. And the, Well, and I was surprised to read this one because I feel like this is sort of a precursor to, like, the ring or uh -huh. 
the other doorbells. Um, so Maria Van Britten Brown and her husband Albert noticed increasing crime in their New York neighborhood, coupled with the fact that police were slow to respond to calls in their part of town, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they wanted to make their home feel safer. So in 1966, Brown and her husband filed a patent for a household closed circuit television security system. So the system had a camera at the front door that looked through one of four peepholes at different heights. Mm. That image would, was broadcast to the user on a television and another television set in another part of the house. It also had a two-way microphone. Just oh, damn. Like the ring, which allowed for communications. Yeah. yeah, my porch! With visitors at the door and a yeah. remote switch that could unlock the door to let people in. Ooh, this is very advanced for 1966. I feel like this should be in, like, the the Disney cartoons of the modern futuristic house thing. I know. This, I that? feel like this is, like, literally the ring of 1966. Mm-hmm. The only thing it doesn't incorporate is your cell phone. because Right. But uh, if the person seems sketchy, uh, they could also put push an alert button, which sent a signal to a nearby security firm. They had to bypass the police because they I were just going to say. Not the police. Yeah. No. And so, yeah. Today, there's similar systems and homes, apartments, you know, panic buttons and rings and all that stuff. I need, I need a ring and I need someone to come install it because I I can't do such things. You don't need somebody to install it. They have ones that don't need wiring now. They run on batteries. You can just stick it on there. Oh, where do I get that? Can I get it on Amazon? I'm sure you can. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yes. I'm sorry. I still support Amazon because it has everything my introverted ass needs without leaving the house. Don't judge me. Thank you. Bye. Next. Um, we talked about this in our last show and it is sister Rosetta Tharp who basically invented rock and roll. That's right. Many people have received credit for inventing rock and roll, AKA Elvis Presley, who was termed the king of rock and roll. Chuck Berry, the father of rock and roll. <laughs> Alan Freed coined the term rock and roll, but did you know it has a godmother? In the 30s and 40s, Sister Rosetta Tharp was one of the first people to combine gospel music with melody-driven urban blues, traditional folk, and a unique pulsating swing style. Um, sh- many music legends, including Elvis, Little Richard, Johnny Cash and-, Cash, and Chuck Berry were influenced by her musical style. Yet somehow, somehow, mysteriously, we don't know why her name is often left out when people talk about the history of rock and roll. How perplexing. I know. She was I have a, a, fair, a queer woman of color. We talked about her last week, so if you want to hear a little bit of snippet of yeah. her music, go listen to last week's show because we played a little a little excerpt there for you. I have, I won't tell it on the show um, because not interesting to anyone but me, but I have a story about Johnny Cash and my dad that I did not learn until my dad was literally dying on his deathbed. He told me the story. He and my ex were laughing about something. I go, what are you guys talking about? And he told me the story. I'm like, why am I learning this now? (laughs) My dad, the short story is my dad got in some sort of a fisticuffs with Johnny Cash during a concert um, back when my dad was in college. So uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. My dad. Yeah, that's, so that seems like one of those stories that dads would tell like every five minutes. My dad didn't tell us anything until like much later. I was like 15 before I found out that when my dad left the army because his dad had died by suicide, he was training with the CIA to do some kind of intelligence interrogation, something or other. This is a man who like fed the birds in the front yard. It's like, 
it's like meet the fuckers or meet the parents or whatever, where he like is the flower man and he, he has flowers in his basement, but he's really a CIA dude. That's my, my dad, but I didn't figure that out until I was 15. And I was like, what? I was, it was crazy. (laughs) He kept a lot of secrets. My daddy, (laughs) they were good ones though. Daddy was an enigma. Yep. Good job. Um, okay, so the next thing that we have to thank a black Shiro for is a good hairbrush. Yes. I can also relate to this one because I think, um, okay, so in old time <laughs> movies when they have to like, you know, counting how many times they brush their hair. Uh, yeah. They, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis comes to mind, Judy Garland's sitting there, she's brushing her hair. Like every movie, really. All of them. Yeah. Um, so brushes weren't as user-friendly as they are today. So combing hair was a long and different pro- difficult process. I think this is because people like me, and also because I live in Colorado, using a brush, like a bristle brush, mm-hmm. my hair gets very staticky. Oh. So I'm, I'm, I think this is part of what they're talking about here, but uh, Lida D. Newman's invention was simple yet revolutionary. In 1898, she patented her new and improved hairbrush. The brush had evenly separated bristles and slots that kept dirt and hair neatly contained, as well as a detachable compartment for easy cleaning. Um, the artificial bristles Newman used were similar to the plastic ones used today. So I can't use a bristle brush, but I can use a plastic brush because otherwise my hair will be um, electrified. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the brushes they used in the old days, I don't know what kind of hair or whatever it was, but they were super soft. So it didn't really get through very much hair, especially if you had like thick hair. Mm. So hence the hundreds of strokes of brushing, which who knows what really happened in reality, but you know, I think there was a lot of brushing. This next one, um, she invented a lot of things, but one of which was a better menstrual pad. So thank you very much, Mary Beatrice Davidson Kenner. You have many names and you're a very smart lady. She patented many inventions in her life. There was the new and improved bathroom tissue holder, which caught the loose end of the toilet paper for easier use. I need a visual on that. And the back scrubber that attached to the shower wall for better executed hygiene. Then she patented an adjustable tray and pocket attachment for walkers, which made travel more convenient for people who use walking aids. Hello. If you have a walker, you have to have a pocket or a basket or a thing to hold the things. Thank you. you the thing. Yes. And well, and she probably had like those cute little grandma ones with like quilting. Yeah. Yeah. So among other things, she invented a sanitary belt with a moisture proof napkin pocket, which made the cumbersome precursor to the pad less messy and more effective. It's been it's been an evolution in in menstrual hygiene over the course of our lifetimes. If we had dicks and our dicks bled for one week every month, that's really kind of a gross thought. Um, you can bet your ass that it would be you know tidy and simple and probably free and mostly lazy and. <laughs> I should stop talking before I say something hateful, but, um, no, like, you know, we had to go away for a week at a time because we were unclean. And then we had to shove rags up there and then go wash it in the river and shove it in there again. Yeah. Go away and live with the other bleeders for a week in a tent. And then 
but I kind of want to live in the tent. So I'd be like, I have my period again. They're like, you just had it last week. I'll like, right I have it again. I have problems. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm down with the tent now. Um, but not the other things. And then, then those sanitary belts that I learned about when I was in grade school that my daughter has no idea about that, you know, my mom had to wear. And then there was the, the self-adhesive pad, which was a huge stride in menstrual health and hygiene and then the tampon and then now there's the cup and furthermore now we have the just free bleed panties that absorb and don't leak there's a whole bunch of them and they're like scientific wonders of the world they're amazing i i still remember like back in the 70s when we first learned about this in grade school or whatever that they they showed us a pad that was like a pad and then on either end there were like two safety pins right it's like that could be dangerous but luckily we didn't have to use them basically a diaper we, yeah by that well by then that they had <laughs> the sticky kind so i don't know why they were showing us the ones that had because i was like you know from six on i was like that looks terrifying what if it opens and what if right right but well, i didn't yeah, I mean, worry about it thankfully because they had to, sticky right i didn't have to use the belt thank god but um, they taught us about it. My mom was like, those were awful because you could always see it. And then everybody knew and blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, God. My grandma talked about that too, yeah. <sighs> the curse of being a woman. It's a good thing we're smart so that we can not be accursed. Anyway. Um, no, this one's you. Okay. 3D movies, which I am a fan of. I like putting on the little glasses and going to the theater and all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, last 3D movie I saw, I think, was Wonder Woman. What about you? I don't care for 3D movies because they give me a headache. Oh. I remember how, I don't know if you saw the, um, uh, Polar Express in 3D? I, not in 3D, no. Okay. So, in the beginning when the hawk flies and it grabs the ticket, like, flies out and grabs the ticket, uh-huh. in 3D it looks like the hawk's coming right at you and it grabs that ticket right as it flies past. Mm-hmm. Well, I took my nieces to see Polar Express when they were, I don't know, probably like four and five. And when that hawk came out in 3D, my niece was done. One of them was <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to stay here. The other no. niece, of course, thought it was amazing. So and I'm with uh-huh. by myself with two nieces, one who's like, uh-huh. I really want to go. And the other one's just like, I'm not going anywhere. So yeah, it's pretty much how my kids are. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the, the one who didn't like the hawk, I just had to take off her glasses and shoot. Yep. Anyway, so if you liked a 3D movie or you're like my niece, you don't like a 3D movie, you can either thank or blame (laughs) a black woman, Valerie Thomas. She was a physicist, inventor, and a NASA data analyst. She was a busy lady and a movie movie fan, apparently. Apparently. Um, When she wasn't busy managing the Landsat program, which produced millions of images of Earth, she was inventing the technology that went on to become the premise for more advanced TV screens and modern 3D technology. Uh, in the late 70s, she discovered that concave mirrors can create the illusion of a three-dimensional object and became, began, began experimenting on how she could visually transmit the 3D illusion. In 1980, she patented her illusion transmitter. Damn. That is NASA smart. She, yep, she's a spooky smart one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, if you have eyesight or crappy eyesight you can thank dr patricia bath for making it better because she may not be responsible for everyone's sight but she invented a device that drastically improved the process for removing cataracts damn which caused impaired vision and blindness today her laser phaco probe 
Hmm. which allows for quick and almost painless removal of cataracts is used around the world. Exactly is cataracts? Is it just like a, a like a calcium deposit or something? What the hell is it? Yeah, I think it is a calcified um, something on the lens of your eye. And yeah, so you got some you white crusty thing on your eyeball that you can't see through. Yeah, so it makes it like um, opaque, like fracture, like a fracture yeah. image. Yeah, especially looking at night. But my grandma had cataracts, and she she could see re- after her surgery. She could see like really, really well. Yeah. Afterwards, it's almost like she had LASIK or whatever. But I remember going to see her one time, and I had a coat, like a black coat that had one of the buttons was broken. It had plastic buttons on it. One of the buttons was broken, and I just uh-huh. never, kept never getting around to doing it. And I remember her saying, like, she was sort of in a dim room, and her saying, like, your button's broken. How weird. So you could just see that well at, you know, like in her mid eighties or whatever. So that's maybe not a good thing at a grandma's house because grandma, <laughs> grandmas ain't putting up with no shit. So when they can see really good, you're busted on all kinds of things. Still overly paranoid about my bangs because of my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bath was the first African-American woman to receive a medical patent co-founded the American Institute for the Prevention of Blindness, damn, and was the first woman to become the head of a residency program in ophthalmology. And if that's not enough, she pioneered the concept of community ophthalmology, a system that increased the amount of eye care available to low-income and underserved populations. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Bath. Thank you, Dr. Bath. On behalf of my grandma, especially. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So this next lady, if you enjoyed... Um, SoFi Stadium and the last Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, we have partially to thank Bridget. Um, her nickname was Biddy Mason. She didn't invent Los Angeles, but she did help to shape, help to shape the city's downtown area. Uh, she lived from 1818 to 1891, and she is an American shero. She was yes, born she into slavery. And she was given as a wedding gift to a Mormon couple in Mississippi. Oh, my God. How thoughtful. (laughs) You shouldn't have. Really, you shouldn't have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, In 1948, Mason, she was 30 at that time, walked 1,700 miles. How many stories have we done about women who were forced to walk? I can't walk 17 miles. I can't walk one fucking mile. I know. God. Sacagawea. It's like all these women just have to like These women be having some tough ass feet. 1700 feet 1700 miles behind a 300 <laughs> 1700 wagon. feet is about what i can do yeah and then i'm complaining already right exactly i have to do that but no she worked she walked 1700 miles so the caravan eventually arrived in the holiday cottonwood area of the salt lake valley uh, along the route she was responsible for not just fucking walking she had to <laughs> set up and break camp cook the meals herd cattle serve as a midwife holy shit and she was also taking care of her three young daughters at the time who were um, 10, oh four, God. and a newborn. Oh, my God. Because, yeah. And I'm sure, well, so I guess she, uh, we should have said she walked 1,700 miles carrying a newborn and probably also sometimes a four-year-old. Shit. She probably had the newborn while she was walking. <laughs> Heck. Biddy, cook me some eggs. Biddy, herd them cattle. Biddy, catch that, that catch baby that's that coming out. Biddy, where's my eggs? Ugh, punch a dude in the dick. In 1851, Smith moved his family, family, his family, once again, this time a 150, a mere 150 wagon caravan headed for San Bernardino, California. 
Ignoring Brigham Young's warning that slavery was illegal in California, Smith brought Mason and other enslaved people to the new Mormon community anyway, along because he knows better. Along the way, Mason met Charles H. and Elizabeth Flake Rowan, a free black couple. The Rowans and others urged her to legally contest her slave status once she reached California. Fearing that he would lose his enslaved persons because he can't follow fucking directions, Smith decided to move to Texas, a slave state, which it practically still is. Oh, did I just say that? Sorry. They were prevented from leaving the Owens family. One of Robert Owens' sons was romantically involved with Mason's 17-year-old daughter. Oh, my God. Shocking. Never heard that story before. Owens told the L.A. County Sheriff that slaves were being illegally held. The sheriff gathered a posse posse and apprehended Smith's wagon train in Cajon Pass, California. After spending five years enslaved in California, Mason challenged Smith for her freedom. Biddy had Robert Smith brought into court on a writ of habeas corpus. She, her daughters, and 10 other slaves were held in jail for their own safety to protect them from angry and violent pro-slavery mobs, which are the people who should have been in jail, hello, until the judge heard the case and granted their freedom. On January 21st, which is the day after my birthday, 1856, L.A. District Judge Benjamin Hayes approved Mason's petition. The ruling freed Mason and 13 members of her extended family. Go, Biddy. <laughs> so now she's in LA and she's free. So her three daughters move they saved enough money to buy a house on 331 Spring Street, which is in downtown LA. Uh she worked as a nurse, midwife, and domestic servant. Uh, and she was also one of the first black women to own land in the city of Los Angeles. Eventually, she was able to buy 10 acres for 250 bucks. Damn, 10 acres. Think about that and 10 acres in LA real estate money today. <laughs> But she was a smart businesswoman. She built rental homes and eventually mm. a larger commercial building, which she rented out. And that land she invested in and developed, which is now in the, down, the heart of downtown L.A. Um, as she amassed her wealth, she established the first African Methodist Episcopal, Episcopal Church, donated time and money to multiple charities and community programs. Um, she had the intelligence and boldness to use part of her land as a temporary resting place for horses and carriages. No loitering, you gotta pay. Mm -hmm. And people visiting town paid money in exchange for the space. That particular area is considered the first parking lot in Los Angeles. That is very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, she knew what it meant to be oppressed and friendless. So she immediately began a philanthropic career by opening her home to the poor, hungry, and homeless. Through hard work, saving, and investing carefully, she was able to provide purchase large amounts of real estate, including a commercial building, which provided her with enough income to help build schools, hospitals, and churches. That was back when you could trust millionaires to trickle down. Yeah. Uh, today, she didn't right. build a spaceship, and but her financial fortunes <laughs> continued to increase until she accumulated a fortune of almost $300,000, which in today's money would be about $6 million. In wow. her tireless work, she was known for saying, if you hold your hand closed, nothing good can come in. The open hand gives an abundance even as it receives. Very nice. Yes. Despite all of her accomplishments, Mason was buried in an unmarked grave because people are assholes. Hmm. Uh, ungrateful dicks. But anyway, um, <laughs> she died on February 15th, 1891 at the ripe old age of 76. That was pretty old for back then. Yeah. Um, but luckily, on March 27, 1988, her real estate and money were passed on to her children. I don't know why it freaking took that long. Right. Uh, the legacy was lost in the Great Depression, 
and nearly 100 years after her death, LA's mayor, Tom Bradley, and 3,000 members of the church, which she started, which was still going, gave her grave a proper tombstone. Hmm. So finally, on Thursday, November 16, 1989, she, it was declared Biddy Mason Day. And today, a memorial of her achievements is erected at the site where her home once stood in downtown L.A. Yeah, I think that when I put, pasted these notes together, her real estate and money were passed on to her children, but it was lost in the Great Depression. Gotcha. Wasn't in 1988. It was much sooner than that. In 88 was when they, um, Tom Bradley and everybody gathered and declared it her day. And then in 89, they did. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, pretty badass. Let's talk about um, $6 million in today's money. That is amazing. And yeah, she didn't create a spaceship, space shaped like a vulva. (laughs) Because millionaires now make penis shaped. You guys know where I'm going with this. Anyway. Oh, yeah, she. Um, I love that Dolly. quote. I love the quote. If you hold your hand closed, nothing good can come in. The open hand gives in abundance, even as it receives. That's a very, very good quote. Agreed. She seemed very, um, like, wise beyond her, not just her years, but um, beyond her upbringing. Is that what I'm trying to say? Like, how the hell was she... I don't know. She was just smart. She was just really wise. Smart, yeah, smart about business, but also she's just very generous for somebody who, for sure, lived without nothing. I mean, walked all that time and whatever. Instead of just trying to live a life of leisure, she tried to give back as well. Yeah, yeah. Also, I just noticed that the the church that she founded, the First African Methodist Episcopal Church, spells fame, which makes uh-huh. me think of the TV show and the movie. <laughs> I love that song. And when I sing that song or hear that song, it gets stuck in my head for days. So now I will have that earworm for a very long time. But as I have that earworm, I will be doing jazz runs and fan hands. And so it's okay. (laughs) You really can't listen to that song and not do a jazz hand. Jazz hands. I like maybe even a head roll or fan kick. But anyway, that's my own issue. Um, Yeah, this was very interesting. I... I don't know. I really love this show because I learned so much. Like I love this show for selfish reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so this is sort of wraps up our black history month. So we encourage you to go seek out and support businesses owned by people of color, by people by, uh, owned by women, especially. Um, I know that, um, I just noticed this like a couple weeks ago. I went to eat at a restaurant here in Colorado and I think it's Yelp has a sticker that you can put, that they put on the window of some businesses that say women owned. Ooh. So, um, yeah, keep a lookout for that, but we, we encourage you to go out and support, uh, local businesses in general and also especially ones that are owned by people of color. And can, can we make stickers to put on businesses that are owned by white patriarchal ass faces? <laughs> I don't think I can think of a stickers. big sticker that's needed in my town. <laughs> I don't think we can afford that many stickers because that's pretty much you know, a lot of stickers. But it would be kind of a fun project. Like I could just we could just be mailing out stickers to our listeners, and then they could take pictures of all the businesses that they. It could be like a removable decal. Like we're not going to do you know mean stuff, but you know, <laughs> this business is owned by a dick face, <laughs> a racist dick face, maybe depending. Depending. Yeah, yeah, I like. Anyway, yeah. Cool. 
Okay, well, we hope you learned something this week and every week about okay. some new badass women of color. Uh, this podcast uploads every two weeks. So if you enjoy this, please give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or consider sponsoring us so we can keep being bitchstorians. Um, check out anchor.fm forward slash bitchstory and look for the support button. Yay! We also love your input and ideas. You can email us at kelly at thebitchwhisperer.me. That's kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at thebitchwhisperer.me. Or find us on Instagram at bitchstory.pod. We'd love a follow over there. Thanks for hanging out with us, bitches. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Now go make bitchstory.